The Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Judeans. And he came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, because no one can do the, the signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, well, really, I'm telling you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again from above. Nicodemus said, how can someone be born after having grown old? Can someone enter the womb a second time and be born? And Jesus said, really, I'm telling you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Don't be surprised that I say to you, you must be born again from above. I mean, you, you, the wind blows where it chooses, you hear it, but you don't know where it's coming from and where it's going. That's how it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. things be? And Jesus said, yes. are you a teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? We, we speak of what we know. We, we testify to what we've seen. Yet you all do not receive our testimony. So if I tell you about earthly things and you don't trust, how are you going to trust when I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the son of humanity. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so too the son of humanity must be lifted up so that whoever trusts in him might have eternal life. Because God so loved the world that God gave God's only son so that everyone who trusts in him might not perish, but may have eternal life. Really, God did not send the Son into the world in order to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. <laughs> You know, I really truly believe that Jesus loved Nicodemus. He wasn't mocking him. He was, he was playfully challenging him. Challenging him. One of the reasons why I believe Jesus loved Nicodemus is because I love Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a rare character in the Gospels. You know, apart from, apart from all the regulars, you know, like Jesus and the disciples who we see from beginning to end, we see Nicodemus from beginning to end as well. Three scenes Nicodemus shows up in. The first one is this one that we right here near the beginning of the gospel. He comes at the night, during the night time. It's showing us that Nicodemus is still in the dark, right? 
hasn't figured it all out yet. The second time we see Nicodemus is when the leaders of Israel are debating about what are we going to do with this troublemaker Jesus. The group decides, let's kill him. We're going to kill him. We're going to crucify him. Nicodemus is in that conversation. So when, you know, the gospel says he was a leader of Israel, he was a leader of Israel. And he had a hand in Jesus' death. I mean, to Nicodemus' little credit, he raises a question. You know, and they're like, well, let's crucify him. He's like, do we really want to do that? And they're like, mm -hmm. He's like, okay. And not really stiff resistance. Poor little Nicodemus put up. So we see him, yeah, he's still in the dark. And the last time we see Nicodemus is taking Jesus' body down from the cross. He's brought 100 pounds of perfume, a ridiculous and absurd amount to anoint Jesus' dead body. That's the last time we see Nicodemus. But I think that tells us everything we need to know about what happens next. I believe that Nicodemus was in the room when Jesus appeared and said, Peace be with you. Nicodemus stepped into the light by stepping up to the cross receiving with love Jesus' body from the cross. We get to see a whole journey of Nicodemus, which isn't true of so many others. We have to see these one-time encounters and Jesus says, go sell everything and they go away sad. And then what happens? We don't know. Nicodemus is set on that path by his conversation with Jesus, right? Jesus loved him enough to, to put, the, put the stumbling block that was already in his life front and center so that he could do nothing but trip over it. And that was the gift that Jesus gave to him. I mean, Jesus has this intuition about Nicodemus that I think Jesus has always. Jesus answers, when Nicodemus says, hey, you know that you're from God, you know, all these marvelous things, it's signs of the presence of God with you, and Jesus says, well, I'm telling you, you can't see without being born again from above. That seems like, Jesus, where are you coming from? Did you hear what Nicodemus just said? But I think what Jesus is doing is his intuition is at work. He understands why Nicodemus has come. He understands the question that's, that's motivating Nicodemus, the, the desire in his heart. I don't know how you would put that, what you see in Nicodemus, but it might be something like, how do I get to God? Just like you already God. How do I get to experience the presence of God like you 
so obviously, how do I get to do the wonderful things that you're doing? I think that not only does Jesus have an intuition about that desire, that motivation, he also knows his mindset. And he knows that mindset is the problem. The way Nicodemus sees the world and the very question itself, how do I get to God? That question is the problem. Problem. The problem is basically this. Nicodemus thinks that, that he's a human being trying to become spiritual. Maybe that's what we maybe that's what we think we're here for. We're, we're just people trying to become more and more spiritual, become more and more like God, fit more and more into God's kingdom, or God's presence, or God's love. Jesus knows that's wrong. That's not the way it works. And so he puts the problem right in front of him, which is a problem that Nicodemus cannot solve. Nicodemus had no hand in his own birth, and Nicodemus will have no hand in his rebirth. And that's a problem for all of us. It's out of our hands. That is not up to us. I mean, if we believe that we are, well, here's the truth. We are spiritual beings becoming human. You're already within the circle of God's love. There's already, the Holy Spirit is already within you, crying out to God, uh, uh, manifesting God's love and God's grace in the world. That's already true of who you are in your deepest self. There's, there's no ladder to climb. There's no uh, obstacle course to figure out. There's no uh, you know, game of rewards and punishments that you've got to figure out so that you can get from here to there. We're already there. The problem is the illusion that we're not. And so what happens when we think that we're separated from God? That we create all of these things that I just mentioned, you know. All these ways of what it means to clean up and to be pure and good. And, you know, we make our own obstacles, basically. And then we make other people run. So Jesus just sets the problem right out in front of him. Unless you're born again from above. I mean, if, the, if the, that separation really is the illusion, well then, to lose that illusion really does change everything. It just brings everything back together to this wonderful unity, into this coherence. Instead of being fractured, there's a whole. I mean, for example, 
there's no separation between us and God. There's just, there's not two broken parts. There's one beloved One holy whole. You know, if, if Jesus has been sent into the world, there's not heaven and earth. There's not heaven in the world. There's one whole of God's gracious activity. I mean, if this whole obstacle course that I've set up and <clears throat> expected other people to run, that I then used to be the, the separating between all of us who ran it so well, this obstacle course, and all of you who have not, well, if that's all an inclusion, then there's no us in there. There's one whole, one holy beloved whole. And even within myself, there's not the broken part and the regular part, the good part and the bad part. There's just one holy whole. And this is what love does. It puts the pieces back together. It gathers. You know, that good shepherd image that John would use later. It's that gathering of love. Jesus isn't trying to slam the door in Nicodemus' face. He wants Jesus, he, Jesus wants Nicodemus to realize he's not standing at the door. He's standing in front of the brick wall. He's saying, hey, the door is back there, you already came through it. Or the new eyes that you need to see this kingdom are eyes that I'm going to give you. The place in this kingdom is the new birth that I'm going to give you. Now, uh, there's a reason the Gospels are printed in the bulletin, and that's so you can't follow along and note all the times I screw up, which I usually don't. Usually, usually, if I change words, it's on purpose. This time, I left out a whole a couple of sentences. You didn't even notice. <laughs> so I was going to out myself and say, there's this whole part where Jesus says, what's born of flesh is flesh. What's born of spirit is spirit. So that's why I don't be surprised that I say you must be born of spirit. So let me just show you, like, Here's how we've created this whole obstacle. What does flesh mean? It's all those dirty thoughts, right? No. What? Talking about ethnicity. That's one of the, well, we hold on to this one as well today, but it's not about my ethnicity. It's not about my family. It's not about the geography I grew up in. That's the flesh that Jesus is talking about. And so then those words, whoever and everyone, really pop. Because y'all want to, you know, he's saying, y'all want to exclude all these other people, but I'm telling you, it's whoever. It's everyone. The Spirit blows where it wants to, man. That's how it is with everybody who's born in the Spirit. You cannot tell. Because the obstacle course that you've made faith into it's not the way. And so they're going to surprise you, just like I have surprised you 
showing up here in the presence of God. And there's so much wisdom in what Jesus has to say about the Son of Humanity being with him. Because it's suffering that so often is our best teacher in this regard. That's why Jesus puts the stumbling block right in front of Nicodemus, so that he can trip over it again and again and again. I mean, Nicodemus is on the wrong side. If we want to talk about sides, he's on the wrong side. But he has this awareness of who Jesus is. If you just imagine the suffering of Nicodemus By his curiosity, his, his allegiance to what he's seen in Jesus and what his people want to do to Jesus. What they have to him and what he was complicit in doing. This is really the suffering that changes Nicodemus. You know, it's the don't know what we got until it's gone. <coughs> about how we can't solve problems. Really, all we do is bear with them until the problems solve themselves. There's no life solutions Yes. Yeah. 